So, um, we're going to have a group activity in just a, in, a, in a moment. So, I'm going to do this. We normally don't do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count you off. You need to remember your number. So, some of you need to write your number on your paper, okay? Because you won't remember the number in a few minutes. You ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. Jeremy, six. Shane, one, two, three, four, five, six. And he'll, I guess he didn't want to do a group activity. One. If he comes back, one. Okay. One. No? Okay. All right. So, just remember your number. We'll get in the groups in just, in just a minute. Okay. So, turn to Exodus 15. Exodus 15. We're going to be talking about victory in provisioning. Victory in provisioning. And you may remember a couple weeks ago when we were in Exodus, we, um, we saw the nation of Israel make it safely through the Red Sea, God's judgment on, the, um, on Pharaoh and his army, uh, judgment on Egypt. There were implications, actually Sam even talked about that, implications of their army uh, being, uh, in essence, judged and, and, and significantly weakened uh, through that. There were kind of permanent implications to the, uh, to the nation of, Israel, or nation of uh, Egypt. We are not going to spend time on the first um, 20 or so, 22, 21 verses, uh, but that is the Song of Moses, which we will touch on, I believe, uh, at another point uh, in, in the past, just, but we're just, we're skipping it right now because it's really just a recollection of what happens there, and I think it fits maybe a little better at another point. And in verses 20, Miriam the prophetess and sister of Aaron took a timbrel with her hand, uh, in, in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances and they literally reinforced this song of Moses in verse 21 and Miriam answered them sing ye to the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea so um, you can see this kind of uh, tagline I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously that is kind of the underpinning of our study but we're going to pick it up specifically in verses 22 and finish out chapter 15 <clears throat> this morning. So our situation is in verse 15, tw- or chapter 15, verse 22. And Moses brought from uh, from Israel, or I'm sorry, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. <coughs> and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So the situation is there were three days journey. Now most likely they journeyed south toward Mount Oreb. Okay? We know that Moses was commanded earlier in the book of Exodus that he would serve the Lord. The children of Israel would be on Mount Oreb. Okay? And so we 
if you follow most maps, if you look at a map in the back of your Bible, or if you have one, or you can certainly uh, Google that. I didn't include the map this time, but the map of the Exodus. So mine is map three in my Bible, the uninspired portion of the book of of the Bible, you'll see that the um, Sinai Peninsula, right, this kind of portion of Egypt, has uh, Mara and Elam down in this wilderness of Sin area. Uh, that is the this this uh, wilderness of Shur. They believe that the based on both biblical accounts and some archaeological accounts that that is the direction that the children of Israel went. Now, so what, what can we take from this situation? Uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of a lesson. Notice in Exodus 3.18, And the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Now let us go. This is God talking to Moses. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So God's actually instructing Moses on what to say. And he's like, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness so that we can sacrifice. In Exodus 5.3, it's reiterated, and they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God. And even in Exodus 8.27, we will go three days' journey into the wilderness, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, and he shall, as he shall command us. Okay, so the the children of Israel, after having significant victory in or seeing maybe a significant victory in coming through the Red Sea, what's the first thing they do? They're going to go three days journey into the wilderness because that's what God's told them to do. That's what God's promised that they need. You know, this is what you need to do. You need to go three days journey into the wilderness. So there's a victory principle that I want you to pick up on. When the path is not 100% clear, do what you know to do. Okay? Do know what you know to do. I remember as a, a young man, I, I, may, I may have shared this story before, and I apologize as, if it's redundant for some of you. Uh, but as a young man, I was given a, 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 a homework, as Sam likes to call it, with respect to uh, so, some ministry activity. But I didn't fully understand what the pastor had asked me to do. So I had two options. I could do nothing, or I could do what I thought he meant, or what I thought he was trying to communicate to me, and see how that played out. So I chose to do the latter. I did something, and when I came back, you know, there was multiples of us, there were a handful of us that were supposed to do this assignment. He, he didn't mean to be ambiguous in his instructions, but I was not the only one that didn't understand. But there were a couple of us who did kind of what I did. We did what we thought, which happened to be wrong, actually. And a couple of us who did nothing because they didn't understand the, the, the kind of the expectation. And I, rem I can still to this day remember the praise of my pastor who said, thank you for trying. Thank you for doing at least that which you thought was right based on what you understood my communication to be. And that is a spiritual lesson that I think we see here in Exodus 15. The children of Israel didn't know exactly where they were going. 
They knew that you know God God prevented them from going that easy path over into the into the you know nation what is now the nation of Israel right to Jerusalem and crossing the River Jordan etc. The promised land Canaan. They were prevented from the easy path. They go through this Red Sea experience, but they actually are going away from the, again, most direct route from where they are even post-Red Sea. But what they knew that they had to do was go three days' journey into the wilderness because God had communicated that. When you are not sure what the next step is in your spiritual growth, when you're not sure how to commune with God or connect, it doesn't feel like you're connecting with Him in in prayer. It doesn't like like if it doesn't feel like you're connecting with Him in prayer. You know what? Pray more. If it doesn't feel like you're connecting with Him in the Word, <laughs> read more. Like do what you know you're supposed to do, and God will reveal Himself. And sometimes that's called a. Uh, so, so, so in in scripture that we would say God is trying you, okay? It's not that He's tempting you with evil; He's seeing if you're serious, right? You, there's times with with kids you have to, you know, I mean, whether it's something my kid would want, would want to learn how to do, uh, would would and even in the aspects of spiritual things like salvation, they would show interest. But you kind of have to step up and see, step back and see if they continue with it. Like my kids said, well, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to learn how to ride a motorcycle. Okay, well, let's talk about that tomorrow. You know, or let's 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 see how serious you are. You know, my when when kid, you know, when I want to sign up for you know for flag football. Well, are are you serious about? It? Let's talk about that in a couple of days. And then they just like they're kids, they're flighty, and they don't bring it back up. So you know they're not serious. The part of the problem, I think, and I don't want to get off on a tangent. Part of the problem with some of the parenting we do is we respond immediately to what kids say. Hey, I want to try this, and they're like, okay, that's cool, let's do it. But they don't see if the kids are serious about it. And I'm not suggesting you have to have your kid jump over major hoops. But just see if they're at least serious about it. Right? And it's similar. God does the exact same thing with us. Like, if, you know, I'm going to let you in on the, the secrets of pastoring here. You know, if you came up to me and said, I'd like to go on a mission trip. I'll, I'll be like, well, let's, let's pray about that. You know, what, what mission trip are you thinking about? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still dealing with it. Okay, well, then I'm, I'll pray about it. You pray about it. Let's talk about it on Tuesday night. Or let's talk about it next week and see what the Lord's done. And guess what? A significant number of times, people don't follow up with that. And it's, I'm not, I don't think I'm being unreasonable. I don't think I'm, I'm being like childish with you or anything like that. How serious are you? Is this a, I've had situations where I've approached pastors and said, I really think I need to do this. And then they're like, well, we'll get back with me on that. Let's set a plan. And then I never followed through. It's a reasonable test. It's a reasonable trial, if you will, to see if you're serious about what you're talking about. We're all kind of emotional creatures. We all kind of talk about things because we're excited. That's okay. I'm not mad about that. I'm not even telling you not to approach me. I'm just saying, hey, let's pray about it and see if the situation stays with it. Because if you're serious about it, you'll do what you at least know you're supposed to do. Okay? And they did. So when the path is not 100% clear, do what you know 
you're supposed to do. Don't don't spin. Don't sit there and spin your wheels. Right? What's the old adage? God can't steer a parked car. Right? Or you can't steer a parked I don't know exactly how the old adage is. I feel like I just Huh? Yeah, but yeah, but 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 it, all that happens, let me start my sentence over. You can't steer a parked car. Because if a car is stationary and you turn the steering wheel, what happens? The wheels turn. Right? You don't, you're not actually steering the car. Steering implies that there is momentum behind it. Then when you turn the wheel, now the turning of the wheels is actually going to change the direction. God works that way in our lives. He takes our feet... I'm sorry? Well, that's okay. Okay, so you guys are breaking down my illustration way too far. Yes, maybe there's a mechanical flaw with the car. Maybe, sir. No, no, we're done with this illustration. The principle stands. Did I, now? Did I make you mad? Okay, I've got to get better at this. Now everybody's leaving. Assume they were in park. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the struggle. So the struggle. So when they came, verse 23 and 24, and when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Okay? I don't exactly know what was in the waters of Mara. I have been camping and different places where I've tasted waters and I'm like, eh, right? I don't know if there were salts in it or something that made the water not good, but the waters were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. So I'm kind of assuming because they came to Mara that the, it was called that before the children of Israel got there. I don't know that, but I, it kind of feels that way. And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? What shall we drink? Now, there's a couple of things I want to I want to look at here and we're going to do the second part first and it's this concept of murmuring. It's the concept of murmuring. Now, the Hebrew word for murmur is loon. Now, there's no like I don't think it's because they're loony or lunatics or anything. It's just loon. Now, there's 87 times in the Old Testament that Hebrew word is used. 87 times. Six times more often, it is translated by the King James translators as lodge, abide, dwell, or remain, or some kind of version thereof. Okay? So it's interesting. So, so we have English words that come from, they, they represent to us something that is um, it's easier for us to connect, right? And there are some times when people are translating, and if you ever have an opportunity to go travel internationally, certainly if you're teaching the Bible internationally, you have to be careful that you don't use idioms, that you don't use phrases that mean something in the U.S. or in English that don't translate well, right? So I'll just give you two English words. Does anybody know what the Brits call an elevator? <laughs> a lift. Okay. Now we can make the mental leap that, oh, okay, it's, it's a lift. 
Okay, it's lifting. And the U.S. English version is we're elevating, right? So that's where the two words kind of come from, right? Or two, two concepts. But if you move that into another language, you have sometimes weird uh, things that we don't connect. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Lavia. Are there any English to, to Portuguese words like idioms or sayings that don't make sense? Yes. Can, do you have an example? I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there anything that, that I've said or that you've heard that's like, I don't understand why that word is used that way? Pretend, hear. Okay. It's different in Portuguese if I say pretender, that it's pretend. It is like I intend. And it's not pretend. Okay, so pretend is different than intending, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So, so you're actually meaning to do something where pretend here in the U.S. means I'm making make believe I'm acting as if I'm pretending as if right so those are, are different different concepts right did you have did you have an example or were you just stretching or were you wanting to talk about a starter on a car or something no all right so it's what hybrid yeah so in in English, the Hebrew word was translated to English murmur. Now we think of murmur as kind of to complain. But if you just look at the word itself, murmur doesn't directly translate as an English, you know, it's not coming out of the word. It's actually a word that's reflective of what is occurring. And there's an ter English term for that. And I don't know, I don't know what that is, but it's like, because you're actually to complain. Look, to utter complaints in a low or half-articulated voice. Like, Mitch really doesn't know what he's doing. This is stupid. Right? So that's a murmur because I'm mur-mur-ing. Right? I'm not speaking intelligently or audibly. I'm speaking under my breath, if you will. Right? Even though that, that doesn't necessarily translate. You don't speak under your breath, right? You're speaking in a low tone. So the Hebrew word often means remain or lodge. So what is the spiritual implication of murmuring is you're not letting it go, right? You're not, look, we all have situations where we're frustrated, they mostly happen for me in two places, with my dog and driving, okay? But often I just say it and I'm kind of done. Man, that was frustrating. Why'd you cut me off? Dude, it, the speed limit is 65. I get it if you want to speed, but 90 on the interstate? And then I'm kind of done with it, right? But what I don't do is pull up next to the person and be like, you, this was, I just thought about this. This was the, the, the best example of this is Christmas story. When I, this just, the Lord just gave this to me. When the dad has to go fight the furnace. Do you, if you remember Christmas story, he has to go down in the basement and all you hear is like, that's kind of murmuring. It's remaining. It's constant. It's frustrating. It's ongoing. And this is different 
so some pastors and some people, ministry leaders, if somebody brings a complaint to them, if somebody brings an issue to them, they're like, stop murmuring. Well, that's not actually what that means. It might be a complaint, but it's not a murmur. A murmur is, I don't, I don't, I don't really like what, who, who, brought breakfast, who brought breakfast this morning? Who brought snacks? I don't really like what Erica brought. I mean, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't even see it from here. It's like somebody else brought fruit the other day. It was dipped in chocolate. It was really good, but I don't know what she's, what she's thinking. This is ridiculous. Like, see, I'm murmuring. I'm not letting it go, right? And I'm going to continue to do it. And I'm going to keep doing it because I'm frustrated and I don't, I'm not man enough. I'm not woman enough to go directly to Erica and say, what did you bring? I'm just going to be over here being like, this is, I mean, did you, did you have the breakfast? Like, that's ridiculous. This is, it wasn't even very good, was it? Right? So I'm murmuring and I'm, I'm kind of staying there. I'm remaining in that spot. And that's one of the things that's a big problem for the Lord, Right? The people are not letting it go. They're murmuring. They're grumbling. They're incessantly complaining, if you will. Right? They're not letting it go. Now, I get it. I get thirsty. Snickers, they understand this in their commercials because they've even come up with a new word. Right? Wasn't it them that came, was it them that came up with hangry? Yeah. yeah what's Right? Like, you know, you're not yourself when you're hungry. You're hangry. I get it. If you've traveled three days and had limited water in the desert, I get it. I get it. And this is a... So so we need to spend a moment talking about a response to primal needs. Okay? Like oxygen and water and food. This is not... They didn't like the comfort of the bed. This is, they didn't have water, so I get it. But notice how Jesus responds to a situation like this. In Matthew 4, a very, very well-known passage, right? When, he, when he's tempted, he goes out in Matthew 4, 2 through 4, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was afterward hungered, and when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made, to bre- be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Like, literally, that's the way you fight off these primal situations. I don't have water. Lord, help us. That's fundamentally different. Okay, seeking God, seeking his word. Lord, you've promised to provide your people water. You've promised to take care of us. Help us. That's fundamentally different than, I don't know what Moses was thinking. We could have stayed over by the Red Sea. Last time I heard you could drink out of the Red Sea. We could have gone up to the Mediterranean. After the, uh, they died, we could have easily done a U-turn, got up. Nobody was chasing us. Like, right? I mean, that's murmuring. That's murmuring. I, but I, look, I get it. You have to, but you have to attack these pri- the, the, the lack of primal needs with the word. But how do we often respond? Notice in Genesis 25, 29 through 34. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. So yesterday I was working at a, a place that was you know, a couple miles from home, and I, it was getting to be lunchtime. There was no food there. And I was getting literally shaky. It was, I needed to get home and, and grab something to eat. So he was faint. 
And Jacob said, or I'm sorry, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. I need something to eat. I'm, I'm, this is really bad. I'm, I'm really hungry. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau, and Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. Now, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. He just got done walking, walking home. I don't think he was probably at the point where he was going to die. I think he probably still could have held on a while. Probably felt really bad. His stomach was probably super tied up in knots, but he was probably not going to die. And what profit shall this birthright uh, be? This birthright, or shall this? Uh, what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob swear. Uh, or said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. His fleshly comfort was more important than his birthright. So he re reacts or responds with his flesh. His flesh was in control of his spirit as compared to the other way around. Jesus' spirit was in control of his flesh. The nation of Israel doesn't respond in a spiritual way to a very real situation. They respond in a physical way. They murmur. Okay? So it brings us to our second principle today. In times of need, lean into the Lord, not away. Okay? When you have a need in your life, Often, so I've heard it said this way, and I wish I could remember, some of you may know the, 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 the pastor, the preacher that said this. I, you know, he, he was asked how he could pray you know, an hour a day or whatever it was, and he's like, well, today I'm extra busy, so I need to get up early. Oh, because you're extra busy? No, because I need to spend more time in prayer, right? I'm, I need to spend more time in prayer because I'm super busy. You know, it's this mindset that I need to lean into the Lord rather than pulling away from the Lord. I just, I mean, time's been hard. I can't find work. I just, I, I can't make it to church. Well, that seems counterintuitive. Like, if it's hard, lean into the Lord. <laughs> like, don't lean away from the Lord. The Lord is going to be your sufficiency. The Lord's going to help you with the work. The Lord's going to help you with your medical condition. The Lord's going to help you with whatever you've got going on. Lean into Him. All right, so our group study practicum. So, don't move yet, but we're going to get in groups by the number I gave you, and you are going to be assigned a passage. Okay, uh, they're varying. Uh, one is like seven verses. One appears to be maybe just one, one or two verses. Uh, seven. So, so it's 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 short, relatively short. Okay, and you're going to be assigned a, a passage, and you will have each of you. Uh, what happened to the uh, Chris? Do you have those those half sheets? I didn't hand. I have them. They were up here. Okay, we'll find the half sheets. And I will give you a half sheet. There will be questions, and you'll just, one person needs to complete the worksheet. Okay? One person needs to complete the worksheet. Did I, are they in the middle there somehow? Uh, so so I'll, I'll get those to you in a second. One person needs to complete the worksheet, and then I'm going to ask one person to come up and present. Uh, yeah, they're probably under, they're, they're right there. You can't steer a parked car. <laughs> If it's not moving. All right, so you each group will get one of these. 
So it, the person who writes doesn't have to be the person who comes up and presents with, and I'll be here with you, I'll put my hand on your shoulder, make sure you're, you're comfortable, okay? And if you really can't find someone to present, I can do it for you, but you're going to have to write super clear so that either the person that reads it and presents or I can read it and communicate it, okay? So go ahead and get in your groups, and I will assign your passages, okay? So, so I would probably do this, group one, two, three, four, five, six. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, I'll get on with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good. Okay. I'm sure it's still recording. It's fine. Um, why don't you, um, what are you, Shane? One up here? Okay. Um, why don't you, uh, what group is this? Five? Why don't you grab group five? Why don't you help out on group five? All right. So, group one, you're going to be in First Kings 17. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, give each group one if you don't mind. First Kings 17. That's the the story of the cruise of oil that doesn't fail. The cruise of oil that doesn't fail. I've got it as nine through 16, verses nine through 16. Group two, group two. You are going to be in Second Kings chapter two, and there's some evil. Or not, uh, not water is what it's called. Okay, not water that can't be drink, can't be, cannot be drunk, and they cast some salt in that, uh, in that. Okay, so I've got it as verse, around verse twenty-one. So Second Kings, chapter two, verse twenty-one. Group three, you're in Second Kings chapter four, verses one through seven, with the oil uh, and the vessels. Need to be refilled. Okay. You guys good? Yep. Group 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, but verse 41, there is some death pottage yeah. out there. Um, I, I've got it as verse 41, but probably a few verses either way. Ver, uh, group 5, Matthew 17, 24 through 27, it's the coin. And uh, the taxes, tribute, and coin in the in the mouth, uh, the fish's mouth, okay. And then group six, it's the feeding of five thousand in John five, uh, John six five through thirteen, okay. John six verse five through thirteen, okay. So you have your questions. Uh, they are up on the screen too, so you can see. But what's the situation in the passage? Just a very brief explanation. Uh, did you hand the sheets out? Yep. They didn't get a sheet. Here. I have an extra. I think I gave it to her. Oh, you gave it to the wrong... Well, here. Here. You, that, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's We had extra. Yeah. We're good. All right. So, 
So the first thing you're going to do is just jot down kind of what the situation is so that everybody knows. The second is what is the primal need in the passage because all these have to do with a primal, basically a primal need, including taxes because there's two things, taxes and death, right? Um, and what does the need in this story represent in our spiritual lives today? What is, and it might be a very real need, like the ability to eat or